This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta. Online at AudiAugusta.com. Well, Peter Kessler is a golf historian, award-winning broadcaster. It's always a pleasure to welcome Peter Kessler back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm fine, except, you know, I get an inferiority complex every time we speak because the rest of the day I go, you know, he's got a much better voice than you, Peter, really, if you think about it. So, (laughs) other other than feeling, you know, like a lesser man than you, I'm good. I'm glad to hear your voice. Let me know when you want to throw some of your voice work my way. Let me know. Believe me, if I had enough of it, you would be my man. What? Uh, so, so tell me, Peter. When Tuesday, when when you first got the news about Tiger, tell me, tell me the first thing you thought. Tell me your visceral reaction to that. Was that had it been twenty four hours earlier, and the accident had not yet occurred, that my thought at that point about Tiger was, well. There's no way he's playing in the Masters, no matter what he tried to intimate in his interview on television out at Riviera on the Sunday, because the operation that he had, the fifth one on his back, which is 10 operations until yesterday, so that was the 10th, the fifth on the back, it was for a microdisectomy. Now, I've had that, Jack's had that spoke to Jack, and, you know, we both had the experience, and Tiger's had the experience, and basically the drill is... You know, for the first 10 days after the operation, which you're out the next day and the scar is only one inch wide, and they just take out a fragment. That's the whole thing in a microdisectomy. So then, because they touch the sciatic bundle, and the bundle runs down both legs, um, just in the process of removing the little chip away, the little piece of disc that's, that's pushing against the nerve. So it impinges a nerve, and then it hurts. So they take that out, but then your both legs hurt for 10 days bad. Then it starts to get better. Then maybe on day 60, you could chip and putt a little bit. I mean chip, not pitching, little teeny things. By the 75th day, you could be making some swings. And if he was 35 and not 45 and in good health, I'd say, you know, it's another six months after the chipping before he could say, I might be ready to play in a tournament. So I already thought, the Masters was 100% no way, 100% no chance. And then Nance said, well, we see you before. Yeah, yeah, maybe at a restaurant, but not on a golf course. And that the U.S. Open was a maybe at best. That's all over now, in yeah. my view, that the severity of these injuries and the ability to be able to bear weight later and to move weight successfully at a level where you can compete against the other best players in the world is a non-starter. Now, Hogan, when he had his accident in February of 1949, first of all, he was right smack in the middle of his of his prime. He had just really started his best years three years before in 46. He'd won a couple of majors. 49 was going to be the big year. Now, remember, you know, as close as we understand to death he came, he was still playing. He was playing pro golf, like you know, in in the fall of the same year at forty nine. He wasn't laid up for nine years and all kinds of stuff. He was out of the hospital. He was playing golf, and he lost in a playoff to Snead at, at this point in time, exactly in nineteen fifty seventy one years. So, you know, so so Hogan was in a different situation, and obviously, the things that happened to him did not require 
uh, nails and screws and rod. They put them back together with his original pieces, and he then went on to win six of the nine majors that he would ultimately pick up subsequent to the access. But he's going to play off of the LA Open at Riviera the next year. So it was a different situation, and the younger man in a better shape and didn't have 10 prior surgeries. So this now is much more serious in terms of what does it mean for his being able to play? And to me, best case is one day he'll be able to play recreational golf with his kids. And if he can do that, it's a beautiful situation. We're talking with Peter Kessler here on the Augusta Golf Show. All right, buy my premise, Peter, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but you got to buy my premise. It seems to me that the first 12 years of Tiger's career were drama-free. Maybe there was drama behind the scenes that we just didn't know. But the last 12 years have been nothing but drama. Why? Well, you know, I I think there's there's a lot to be said for how long can you do what you do for a living at your best and really carve out the heart of your career. And it's interesting how many guys have had a number that's not particularly large. Nicholas would be the exception, you know, winning the U.S. Amateur in 59 and then the Masters in 96, 27 years later. So that's a rarity, and he played great golf all all the way through. But Bobby Jones was basically a seven-year career. Seinfeld TV shows, basically a seven-year deal. My show on the Golf Channel, basically a seven-year deal. There's a lot to be said for a, a kind of a number that applies to a number of different art forms. And in Tiger's case, he played his best golf, as you just stated, for that period that went really through 08. Okay, let's call it through the open at Torrey Pines. He, his dad died in 06, just just before the uh, U.S. Open at Wayne Foot that Phil Blue and Tiger shot a pair of 75s to miss the cut, which was unusual. And they said, well, his dad died. And so you, you set that aside. But, you know, he may have gone, you know what? I'm kind of good. It happens to a lot of performers where you just kind of go, um, good for right now. It happened to the Beatles, essentially. They, they went there seven years, essentially, and they went, okay, we're good for now. That didn't mean they didn't go on to do other great things, and Tiger did as well. He would still pick up a couple of more majors, but, you know, essentially then he gave into some temptations. I don't buy into the influence of his dad making him, therefore, a philander as well. I think you make that decision on your own. You can't. You may have been exposed to it by environmentally, but that doesn't mean you have to do it, you know, any more than if your dad was a bank robber, you're not going to do that. So, I think that the winding down of the big years, the yielding to temptations, the doing the forbidden fruit stuff, and then, of course, all of a sudden, then you started to have impairment issues and accident issues and marital issues that, that turned into some violence. And so, but I attribute it personally to he was now available after that dozen years you referenced, John, to set it aside and say, you know what? I'm good. I did that many. I'm good. You know, I'm able to walk away. Bobby Jones was able to walk away for different reasons, but he was able to 
walk away, and he never had regrets. He just was a different kind of a man and grew up in a different time period and had much more of Elizabethan and Victorian sense of matters, the way that he was brought up. But I believe Tiger was emotionally available and physically and intellectually available to do other things, that he did the thing he meant to do. What do you think takes a bigger toll, Peter? The accomplishments, the success, oh. or the intensity required to, to, to have the accomplishments? I, I think it's a nothing. I, think, I don't think those are even issues because I think people who are really great at what they do, whether it's Paul McCartney or Michelangelo painting the ceiling and things like that, and Tiger Woods you know, playing his best golf, I think it takes no toll. I know when I did my best work, was I didn't feel like I was going to work, and yet, you know, I was aware that I was doing some some special things on television that it was live and stuff. But you know, you know, you don't really think about it. You know why? Because one, it means that you have discovered you're one of the few people who have discovered within themselves, like Tiger, like Paul McCartney, like George Gershwin, who have discovered within themselves a thing that if they can figure out how to exploit it, you can turn it into an end product. And the process of discovering that thing within yourself is a joyful one. And if you learn how to manipulate that thing, that artistic, creative, whatever it is, all the arts to me blend together, including sports, you find that thing inside you and you figure out how to ignite it. You figure out how to make it work and you stay out of your own way. You let your gifts run free. Then it's easy to do. I mean, if you were to say to Paul McCartney, you know, is it, is it easy to write a song? Well, he would say, well, yes, for me it is. It, it is easy. And if we had to explore it, we would come to the conclusion that he found the thing within himself that very few people are given anyway, of whom fewer discover it, of whom fewer figure out how to make it work, of whom fewer are able to stay out of their own way. That's why there's so few truly greats right across the board, the great, great, great ones I'm talking about, that, that top of the top of the pops. And so when you're in that mode and you're that great, it's actually fairly easy and it's a great deal of fun and it's a joyful experience. So I don't think that took anything out of him. He is uh, Peter Kessler, golf historian, award-winning broadcaster, and nobody else in a golf conversation can drop four Beatle references uh, Peter, it's it's always great to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Great to be with you, my friend. Thank you, John. Have a wonderful week and love to the missus.